is We Need to Talk, Tough Conversations in Healthcare. As the title implies, this is a podcast devoted to tough conversations in health, how they impact those of us in the next generation, and how we can offer potential solutions. All our conversations are based on public town halls called We Need to Talk, Tough Conversations, and produced by our class of students at ASU's College of Health Solutions. Our first topic this year asks, should our doctors and healthcare team look like us, the patient? This is especially relevant considering the larger conversations that we're having in our nation regarding race and gender. Hi, my name is Swapna Reddy, and I'm an attorney and health policy and disparities expert at the College of Health Solutions at Arizona State University. Hi, I'm Dr. Greg Meyer, palliative care physician, surgeon, and a professor of practice at Arizona State University, College of Health Solutions. Hi, and I'm Dr. Joe Servan, neurologist, professor of practice at the College of Health Solutions at Arizona State University, and this is We Need to Talk, Tough Conversations in Healthcare. Today we're talking about our recent live conversation regarding gender and ethnic diversity in the healthcare workforce. We know that there are huge issues with regards to the diversity of the healthcare workforce in general. Even though almost half of all medical students currently are women, and there are increasing gains for gender diversity in multiple specialties, there are few women at the highest rungs of medical leadership throughout healthcare organizations in the United States. On the ethnic side of the equation, we know that we're far behind in the diversity of physicians, particularly with the representation of African Americans, Latinos, and Native Americans as doctors. Therefore, it was exciting to kick off the 2018-2019 season of We Need to Talk to have this live discussion with our ASU students about whether our doctors and nurses need to reflect the diversity of our patients. Our guests were Mayo Clinic's Dr. Julianne Kling, a women's health physician, and Mr. Marion Kelly, Director of Community Relations, also from Mayo Clinic. You know, it was so fascinating when we asked this question, does diversity in healthcare matter? And the overwhelming answer seemed to be a resounding yes. Um, And I kept thinking, if that's the consensus, why is this still such a tough topic? Why haven't we gotten further here? Greg, what do you think? Well, one theme that kept coming up time and time again was the whole how crucial it is to have trust between a physician and patients or a community. And once that trust is eroded or lost, um, you're having to start all over again. Marion Kelly reminded us with a story about how Physicians and healthcare can totally destroy the trust within the community. You all certainly have heard about some of the atrocities and research that have occurred. Those are not very long ago, and they're, they're long memories when it comes to research and minorities in research. And certainly you've heard of Tuskegee. I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana. And in southern Indiana, we had a, um, we had a trial on radiation when radiation first came out. And guess who the test subjects were? Four to seven-year-old children of African descent to see how much radiation they could take before it either killed them or maimed them. And those are long memories that communities have. Native Americans, Latino communities, you name it. 
they have been subjects of research um, that is helicopter research at that. They come in and get the knowledge and they, they leave the community with nothing. And so when you have that kind of distrust, there's going to be alignment when a minority patient sees another minority phys physician. And I don't even think that the other physician has to be of the same ethnic minority. They're just glad to see a person of color because they would understand what it is, what challenges that they have coming into the healthcare system. You know, another recurring part, a topic that really hit me, Craig, was that of implicit bias. And, you know, there were so many interesting stories that we heard from everyone, but uh, Mr. Kelly gave a fascinating one as an African-American male sitting on a medical school admissions committee and what happened when he was to interview a prospective medical student. And my appointment was two o'clock with this individual. So the individual had an appointment from 9 a.m. all the way up until five, every hour, there's someone coming in. So when I get there about three minutes to two, the interview previous to me had ended. And so I go to the door and I look in the window and the candidate is sitting there, but he's on his cell phone and he looks up and I said, oh, I'll give you a minute and I step back. And so about five minutes later, I went to the door and I looked in and he's still on the cell phone and he looked up and looked back down and he continued to speak on the phone. Two minutes later, I go back to the door and I open the door and he says, may I help you? And I says, I'm Marion Kelly, I'm here, for, I'm your two o'clock interview that's now 2.15. And he says, oh, oh, I, I thought you had the wrong room. I, I didn't know you were coming to, to interview me. Now, there are several things that could have gone on, but the one that comes to mind is that I wasn't who he expected. So he had some implicit bias about who I was and why would I be there to interview this physician uh, who's coming to work at Mayo Clinic. Needless to say, his evaluation was not the greatest, but neither, <laughs> neither were his answers to my questions. What did you think of that story, Swapna? Because I, I think his story was fascinating. I thought the story was fascinating, and I thought it was compelling. And I have to tell you, personally, it was extremely relatable. Um, I can't tell you how many times people are expecting what they think a college professor is going to look like, and then I walk in the room. Um, they tend to have they tend to have actually a very similar response to the response that Mr. Kelly had. So I found that incredibly relatable. Another interesting question that we um, really tried to touch on was how diversity improves outcomes, uh, especially when patients are concordant, which really means that they're the same either race, ethnicity, or gender as their provider. And there's really so many studies at this point that show that patients of, say, female physicians have improved mortality rates, they have better health outcomes, and lower readmission rates. Yet, there are still issues with pay equity, harassment, and really the way that we're treating women in the healthcare field. So a lot of the structure about um, medicine, uh, medical school, how we do tenure tracks and academics has been developed mostly by males. And so when you look at, for example, why women aren't as high up in, say, professorships, typically you would be assistant, then associate, then full professor. And we see gaps when you get to the full professor level. 
if you start to look at those trajectories, you recognize that most um, people that are destined to be full professors started early in their 20s and 30s. Well, interestingly, that happens to be the time that us ladies are getting pregnant and having babies. And when you're busy, childbearing, and women have been found even in relationships where both parents are uh, physicians, women still carry more of the childbearing responsibilities. It's difficult to be authoring grants and writing papers and such. And so they lose that 10 to 15 years while their male colleagues are doing all that stuff. And by the time they're 50, they're on their, their track to be a full professor, whereas women have lost 10 to 15 years. If you look at productivity at 50, women tend to be more productive than men at 50. And so, which is really interesting. So looking gives us the answer to how we may start addressing some of those structural issues that'll eliminate those discrepancies or disparities. Greg, I love Jewel Kling's response on this topic. It was very interesting and it took me back to my days as a med student. And when I was first learning how to interview a patient, uh, there really wasn't a lot of instruction. You're kind of put in a room and told ask questions, get the information that you need, and then move on to the next patient. But Dr. Kling dealt with the whole interaction with a transgender uh, patient and, and the skill needed. And we need to train young physicians on how to really have an interview with a transgender person about sexual history, uh, their choices they've made in life, uh, all of those things. It's a skill in itself, and we just have to, again, I thought back to the little training I had as a medical student, and it's a whole different world now, and we have to have better training for our medical students and physicians of the future in these types of areas. That's what struck me. Joe, what did you think was the biggest take home from all of this? Because I have to tell you, I really liked when Jewel Kling spoke about the importance of having minorities and women in leadership positions, and really from the perspective of if we're going to change the climate and the culture of organizations, we really have to start from the top, and we need to bring different voices to the table to change that climate and to change that culture. I thought that was incredibly important. You know, uh, Swapna, I I can't uh, agree with you more. I mean, one of the things that Dr. Kling reminded me of in one of her responses on the topic was the fact that um, she gave me a good lesson on just simple pragmatism of what it's like uh, in the in this instance that in her example of, of gender uh, where women when they are in the beginning of a medical career happens to coincide with uh, childbearing years and wanting to start a family. And a lot of times that also happens to be the same time that uh, you're getting evaluated for the future, grants, uh, promotions, uh, which is the tickets that get you to either CEO or chair or division lead. And she reminded me that uh, at the end of the day, sure, you may not be able to kind of do papers because you're having children, you're being uh, the one to take care of those children uh, oftentimes in these relationships. But once you're out of those years, uh, those same women are the ones that are leading the fray with regards to getting grants, getting academic promotions, being very productive with papers. So she it was a good lesson that uh, it's a matter of timing as well. And that is how things kind of move uh, from there. 
with regards to the biggest take home for the night to me, uh, what I heard over and over from almost everyone was the need for conversation. That if you don't talk about it, that if you don't think about it, it just continues to perpetuate. So I would hope that by simply having the event, having the conversation, we started the process of reminding others that this is a conversation that needs to happen in a lot of different places. And we have so much more to do for the future when it comes to how we ever move the needle in improving our gender and ethnic diversity in healthcare overall. For Professor Reddy, Dr. Meyer, and myself, Dr. Joe Servan, as well as the fantastic student producers of the We Need to Talk class at ASU College of Health Solutions, we want to thank you for joining us in this important discussion. Our podcast is produced by Sarah Ventry, and our theme music is by Broke for Free. Join us at our next We Need to Talk live event when we'll be addressing medical marijuana, what's true, and what's blowing smoke.